It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how Locked on Packers is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first order. We're doing our What If Mailbag show today. A bunch of great questions to get to some that, frankly, I hadn't even thought of that you guys sent me. Uh, Thanks for everyone who sent in their what-ifs. The big ones were obvious. What if the Packers recover the onside kick in Seattle for the NFC Championship game? What if Mike McCarthy goes for it on just one of those fourth downs and goal in the NFC Championship game? What if Brandon Bostic recovers the onside kick? All of that stuff. What if the Packers trade for Randy Moss? A lot of them were the same. And so I guess I I thought that, well, if everyone thinks that this is a big what if, then everyone agrees that there is an outcome that is worth getting based on that what if. In other words, if everyone thinks, oh, this is a touch point, a flashpoint in Packers history, then it must be that for a reason. And in the case of 2014, you know, it was an opportunity for the Packers to win another Super Bowl, at least go to another Super Bowl against the team that they'd already beaten in the regular season and looked like they matched up with really well, especially giving Aaron Rodgers two weeks to heal to go to the Super Bowl and play the Patriots. That would have been fascinating. Plus, it's Brady versus Rodgers. I mean, there's a ton of reasons to love that. Trading for Randy Moss, given what happened in 2007 uh, for the Patriots, and given what happened for 2007 for the Packers, I think it's it's really interesting to think about, oh, if the Packers had gotten Randy Moss, uh, they could have been the team that won the Super Bowl, not the Giants. But everyone agrees on that stuff. So it's less interesting to me. I want to talk about some of the, the questions that, for instance, I didn't think about or that maybe you didn't think about. Before we do that, though, Matt LaFleur went on a local radio show in Wisconsin and talked about a number of things, including his approach to this season offensively. And he was asked explicitly, do you intend to run the ball more this year? Because that is the perception, at least, of what the Packers want to do, given A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuara, and not getting a receiver. 
And Matt LaFleur had a terrific answer, and that was basically we want to do the thing every week that gives us the best opportunity to win. Yeah, no, I think it's it's week to week. Uh, you're always trying to find the best way to move the football and, and to score points and ultimately win games. And, you know, I thought there were some really good things that we did in the run game. I, I personally think it's more of having plays that play off each other just so you keep the defense off balance, whether um, it's running the ball 10 times in a game or running the ball 50 times in a game. It really doesn't matter to me. It's just it, it's whatever you can do to help keep the defense off balance. Obviously, it, it, keep your offense on the field and, and score points. I mean, that that's really what it comes down to to me. So it doesn't necessarily mean that we want to run the ball. I, I definitely um, think that the more that you can be unpredictable in those normal situations, meaning first and second down um, situations, then I think it just presents more challenges to a defense. This is something that if you look at what Green Bay was last year, it tracks. This is not a coach paying lip service to an ideal. In a given week, they might feature Aaron Jones a ton in the passing game, and then in another week, they wouldn't. And in a given week, they might feature the shotgun offense a ton, and then the next week they wouldn't. Or they might feature play action a lot in one game and another they wouldn't. They were very matchup driven. And so for Matt LaFleur to say, look, I don't care if we run the ball 10 times or 50 times, that's a coachism, but it's also something that is backed up by what we saw last year. So if that is not something that they feel like they need to change, then first of all, the narrative around this team needs to be adjusted because that's something that has been talked about ad nauseum about the Packers. Oh, they want to run the ball more. They want to subvert the quarterback. They want to be a power team. They want to be the 49ers. They want to run the ball 40 times a game. No, unless that's the best way to win. And oh, by the way, this is something the Patriots have been lauded for doing for years. This is the same team in the Patriots that once had a running back run for 200 yards and then in the same season get cut. They are all about the matchups week to week. If they think the best opportunity for them to win in that game is to run the ball 30 times, they'll do it. If they think the best opportunity for them to win the game is to throw the ball 50 times, they'll do it. And that's what you want offensively. Okay. But the Packers offense was not up to where the standard has been in Green Bay over the last few years. So what, in Matt LaFleur's eyes, is the remedy for that? He offered at least one potential remedy, and it starts with him. Certainly there are some things that I've looked at hard at myself and and with, with the help of our offensive staff, just making sure that we avoid you know, certain situations so we don't get ourselves in, in trouble. Um, you know, if you look at back at last season, I know one, one area that we really need to improve upon is is creating more explosive plays. We were pretty efficient as an offense. Uh, I think we were fourth in efficiency, but we were like 23rd in explosive plays. And so that I, I think it does start with the play calling, just maybe taking a few more chances to – try to generate, help generate those those plays down the field because 
typically if you're getting explosives, you've got a much better chance of scoring points. So one reason this is particularly fascinating is because, first of all, it is antithetical to the idea that the Packers want to be some conservative run-the-ball team. Now, it does mean that they probably want to be more effective with their play-action passing game, and their play-action passing game was a problem last year, but their deep passing game wasn't. Aaron Rodgers was second in deep passing attempts last year, according to Pro Football Focus, tied for second in touchdowns. The problem was he was 31st in adjusted completion percentage, which is aimed passes minus drops, at least among quarterbacks who attempted at least 10 deep balls last year. Among regular starters, only Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford attempted a greater percentage of their throws deep than Rodgers. In other words, the Packers' offense last year was as aggressive throwing the ball down the field as any team in football, yet Matt LaFleur, the guy who allegedly wants to play some sort of anachronistic style of backwards thinking football, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play good defense, that's the guy who wants to attack more who wants to create more big plays. He wants to create more variance in this offense. And in a lot of ways, it's the perfect thing to do with a quarterback who doesn't have his fastball, or at least hasn't the last few seasons. Aaron Rodgers is not the down-to-down dominator the way that he was 2014, even late 2016, and early 2017 before the collarbone injury. 2018, 2019, he hasn't been that guy. So, The way to combat that is to try and create more variants, give him more opportunities to make plays down the field. It's how the Vikings have maximized Kirk Cousins. He's not going to be a guy who, if you drop back 30 times, make him read defenses, make progression reads, and make throws, is going to beat you. But if you go play action and give him a bunch of deep shots, he has the arm talent to make incredible plays. Now, Aaron Rodgers was not up to the task last year in these situations, and he has to be better. But if you give him more opportunities, he's going to create. I mean, this was a guy who, yeah, he was second in deep passing attempts and second in touchdowns, which means he took those opportunities and turned them into splash plays. When asked who was going to create those big opportunities, Matt LaFleur mentioned guys like Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He was excited about Devin Funches getting the chance to create down the field. Alan Lazard made those plays last year. Marquez Valdez-Scantling made some plays, at least early in the year last year, down the field. If you can get him to take a little bit of a step, to play with a little bit more confidence, he has a chance to make the impact plays that he did early in the year and couldn't make consistently throughout the rest of the year. You think back to that Bears game in December, First play of the game, they go play action, shot play. It's a touchdown. Rodgers puts it in his hands, and MVS drops it. Early in the season, they ran a very similar concept. Wide open in the middle of the field, Aaron Rodgers threw a little bit of an off-target pass, and MVS makes the catch for a big play. They get the big play against Denver, free play touchdown, big play against Detroit at home late in the game for a splash play. He has that ability, as Matt LaFleur said, the the ability to run past any cornerback in the league. What's fascinating to me is that as I went back and watched, and I did the study on their play-action game especially, and that's not the full 
story of their shot plays. But when I went back and watched their play-action game, the design was not the problem. The execution was. Whether it was Aaron Rodgers missing a throw or it was a receiver not being in the right area or dropping a pass or whatever it was, it was mostly execution that held the team back. And that is why Matt LaFleur has relished the opportunity to be back on the details, to say these are the concepts that are important, these are the details that are important. If you're going to run the post as a receiver, this is the footwork, and this is what Aaron Rodgers expects. And if you're going to throw this backside dig route, Aaron, then this is where the ball needs to be, and this is when it needs to be out. Those are the kinds of things that have to be fixed. It's the execution part that has to be fixed in the deep play part of this offense, but good for Matt LaFleur for taking the onus on himself. That's something that has been particularly apparent about LaFleur in his 18 or so months of being the head coach. He wants the burden of the responsibility. He wants to say, put it on me. I need to be better. Put it on me. That's what leadership looks like to say, if I can be better, we can be better. And that's what Matt LaFleur has been. And if you want to be better, if you want the opportunity to feed your body with the best kinds of things that also taste really good, then Built Bar is the best option for you because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. I was blown away, legitimately shocked the first time I tasted it because a lot of health food companies and a lot of food companies full stop make claims about how good their food tastes. This is legitimately awing. I mean, seriously, I was blown away by it the first time I got to taste it. They have 16 amazing flavors. I've been all in on the chocolate, double chocolate ganache. It's delicious. It really is. And it's incredible that it is low sugar. I can't believe that it's low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and low net carb. Right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. And if you're looking to make an impact in your daily life, in more than just your eating habits, there's no better place to do it than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventures across the globe, the Army is where you can make all of that happen and so much more. The Army is a team of a million of individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world and to win. Ask yourself what's your warrior and text ALPL to 462-769 to find out. That's ALPL to 462-769. All right, this was a question I got a couple times. And it was one that when it comes to what ifs, I hadn't thought about. And that was one of the reasons why I found it particularly fascinating. And the heart of the question, it was asked a couple different ways. But the heart of the question is, what if the Packers, when Brett Favre says, I want to come back, they, they say, chill. Think about how many things change. Aaron Rodgers in 2008 proved that he was a franchise quarterback. In fact, less than six weeks into his tenure as the quarterback, Ted Thompson had the foresight to lock him up to a new deal. If that doesn't happen, if Brett Favre is the quarterback in 2008, 
Then Aaron Rodgers enters 2009 in the last year of his rookie deal. And now you have to make that decision. Now, if he plays in 2009 like he did in 2008, maybe it's easier for Russ Ball and Ted Thompson to justify, okay, well, same contract, same deal. But then you're pushing out the timeline because the Packers in 2009, what if they look like the 2008 team, the team that struggled to get stops late? It's a lot of the same personnel. Now, maybe maybe the opposite is true. Maybe you fast forward the timeline a little bit. But Aaron Rodgers is not Aaron Rodgers yet. Aaron Rodgers, you can argue, needs 2008. He needs 2009 to get to 2010 and 2011. So if now 2008 is happening in 2009, are the Packers able to win enough games late to get into the playoffs? Are they able to go to Arizona and acquit themselves? And are they able to go into 2010 and have Rodgers play like he did in, let's say, 2009? Is that enough to go win a Super Bowl? Does he go full Marvel superhero in 2011? Or does that get pushed to 2012? And if it gets pushed to 2012 and Nick Collins still gets hurt, it seems like it's hard to to say that they still are ever a 15-win team. Maybe they still lose to a Colin Kaepernick 49ers team. And maybe they never win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Now, maybe in 2008, under those same circumstances, you know, you have Charles Woodson, you have some of these defensive players, plus you now have Brett Favre. Maybe you're able to make a run. Maybe you're able to do something that that 2008 team wasn't able to do. But then if you do that, does that impede your ability to get B.J. Raji, who was a critical part of the Super Bowl team, to get Clay Matthews, who was a critical part of the Super Bowl team? These are the kind of sliding doors that we have to deal with when we're thinking about these questions. And so it is a fascinating idea. Does he play one year? Does he? What if he plays two years? I mean, Brett Favre was still playing well into the Aaron Rodgers tenure if he decides he wants to keep going. He may play long enough in Green Bay that the Packers have to do with Aaron Rodgers what the Patriots did with Jimmy Garoppolo and think about how many things would be different if that had happened. This is an enormous moment. And I would say that we give Ted Thompson 30 40% of the credit that he is due for making the decision that he did. He said, okay, this team has decided to move on. You don't want to be a part of this team, or at least you're not sure you want to be a part of this team. The Packers are comfortable with Aaron Rodgers. They're committed to Aaron Rodgers. You're not committed to the Packers, and so you need to move on. That was an incredibly ballsy move much ballsier than drafting Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers as a talent, as a first-round pick, is a no-brainer. But moving on from a legend, that takes serious cojones. And I don't think that moment gets enough play. It is a huge what-if. What if that had gone differently? What if Ted Thompson knuckles under and capitulates to Brett Favre? Aaron Rodgers may not ever be Aaron freaking Rodgers. It's fascinating to think about. Along those same lines, at least to a degree, this is from Joe on Twitter. Hey, Peter, what's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? 
Packers what if I'm sure has been discussed in 2010. What if Deshaun Jackson doesn't return that game-winning punt against the Giants and the Packers end up missing the playoffs? Setting aside the draft implications, how long is McCarthy and Capers' tenure in Green Bay keep up the good work? This I love. This is another question I hadn't thought about because certainly you could say, okay, what if the Packers don't win those last two games and get into the playoffs? What if Tremont Williams doesn't make the interception? You know, what if Jay Cutler doesn't get hurt? But this is really the flashpoint for 2010. Deshaun Jackson returns the game-winning punt. The Giants lose. The Packers get in. Now, the Packers had to beat the Giants, and they had to beat the Bears. And the Bears were a first-round bye team. They were the two-seed in the NFC that season. Packers beat the one and the two-seed in the playoffs that year. People forget that. If they don't win in 2010, do they let Colin Jenkins walk? Do they spend more aggressively? Does Ted Thompson angle more aggressively that offseason to add to the roster to improve the defense? Does Aaron Rodgers have the confidence because he does not go and do what he did in Atlanta and in the Super Bowl? Doesn't validate everything he's done. Does he still go God mode in 2011? Does he go... God mode to the nth degree because he still has a chip on his shoulder. This is a fascinating question. And I think the point of Joe asking it is to say, if Deshaun Jackson doesn't return that punt, it's hard to argue after that, given what went down, that Green Bay wins a Super Bowl. So if Green Bay doesn't make the playoffs in 2010, This is after McCarthy misses the playoffs in 2008. They lose in the first round in 2009, and now they've missed the playoffs in 2010. Does Ted Thompson already get impatient with Mike McCarthy? Because one of the reasons we can assume McCarthy got carte blanche as his career waned a little bit at Green Bay was because he had a Super Bowl title. If he doesn't have a Super Bowl title, How do things change? And the same is true for Dom Capers. And we talked about that on our podcast with Jason Hershorn. What if the Packers move on from from Dom Capers sooner? Well, if 2010 happens, they don't win a Super Bowl, and then the defense is bad in 2011, it's pretty hard to justify Capers staying much past that. And then if the 2012 debacle happens the same way with Colin Kaepernick, then he's got to go. And maybe in 2012, like McCarthy's got to go. Because in 2011, even if they go 15-1, and remember, they lost in the divisional playoff round. And so if we assume ceteris paribus, if we assume everything else is equal, if the Packers miss out on 2010 and they still go 15-1 and in 2011, and in 2012 they still lose to the 49ers, and in 2013 they still lose to the 49ers, and in 2014 they still lose to the Seahawks, all that stuff remains the same. Mike McCarthy is not employed in Green Bay in 2018 to get fired. He's not. And Dom Capers is not employed to get fired when he is. It happens much sooner. That Super Bowl bought a lot of equity within the organization. And if they don't have it, things are much different. Now, that's a little unfair because they did get it. They did win the Super Bowl. That matters, right? I mean, we can't just say, oh, well, if they don't win the Super Bowl, he gets fired. Well, yeah, okay, but they did, and it's really important to win Super Bowls, and and it's like the most important thing, 
And they did that. So, yeah, they got a little bit lucky with the Deshaun Jackson thing, but every team that wins a Super Bowl gets lucky at some point over the course of the season. And it doesn't have to be in Week 16 or Week 17. doesn't have to be in the playoffs. doesn't have to be in the Super Bowl even. At some point along the line, they got lucky, and it allowed them to win their championship. Some teams steamroll. You know, the 96 Packers, they steamrolled everybody. There was not a lot of luck involved in that season. I mean, they had to win games with Don Beebe, and duct tape and bailing wire and sheet metal. I mean, they they had to to put together some wins. And, you know, Antonio Freeman gets hurt. Robert Brooks gets hurt. And they still won all those games. In 2010, there are a bunch of things that could go differently for Green Bay. I mean, what if, what if Dan Connolly doesn't return the kickoff against the Patriots? They could have beat the Patriots in Foxborough with Matt Flynn. I mean, there are a lot of things that could have gone differently. You know, in 2014, what if Aaron Rodgers doesn't tear his calf? That is something that, you know, the Seahawks got a little bit lucky. Every team gets lucky that goes to the Super Bowl or wins the Super Bowl. So I don't I don't worry too much about some of that stuff. All right. Hey, Peter, what's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? I'm playing catch up, so I apologize for the delay. For your what if series, what would the Packers of the 90s have been like if Sterling Sharp and Robert Brooks had not gotten hurt so not much changes in 96 the Packers won the Super Bowl Robert Brooks tore his ACL in 96 they won he came back in 97 Antonio Freeman was awesome Robert Brooks was awesome they were each a thousand yard receivers Packers still lost to the Denver Broncos now Sterling Sharp is a different animal Sterling Sharp would have been a Hall of Famer if he had stayed healthy and the fact that he didn't affects the team basically every season after he's no longer on the roster because if he had been, his ability to win individual matchups fundamentally changes everything about the Packers' offense and the fact that the 94 season had to be his last. I mean, let me just, let's just go back here for a second. And there are a lot of people listening to this show, especially because This show skews young because podcasts skew young. And by young, I mean like under 40. Most of you are under 40. Okay, I am not old enough to remember Sterling Sharp in 1989 having 90 catches for 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns. But that's what he did. He was a Pro Bowl, all-pro player in 1989. Led the league in catches. Had 1,000 yards the next season. In 91, had 961 yards on a, a, a fledgling team. You know, we're talking about a 4-12 and 12 Lindy and Fonte team. That team was a disaster, okay? 92, Sterling Sharp led the league in catches, yards, touchdowns, and yards per game, and yards per touch. 101 catches, 1461, 13 touchdowns. In 93, leads the league in catches, 112 catches, 1274 yards, 11 touchdowns. And in 94, goes 94 for 1,100 yards, leads the league 18 touchdowns. And now he's just scratching the surface of what he's capable of being with Brett Favre. If he's on the team in 95, it's hard for me to believe they do not go to and win the Super Bowl. If he's on the team in 96, they win the Super Bowl the same deal. He's still only 31. If he's on the team in 97, they win the Super Bowl. They could have won three straight titles. 
Sterling Sharp was that good a receiver. If Sterling Sharp had been healthy his whole career, he would be the best Packers receiver in modern history, would have had the case to be the best Packers receiver of all time up there with Don Hudson, and would be an NFL Hall of Famer without a doubt. The fact that he got hurt is one of the great NFL what-ifs, including one of the great Packer what-ifs. TurboTax experts make your moves count. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this Locked On podcast is brought to you by TurboTax. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts will make sure that they count for you. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? Well, that's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That is a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? That quite literally would be a move, or maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or you switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or maybe you just rode the stock market to the moon and back. Any of those things that you did or any other moves that you made, TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and every deduction you deserve, filing with 100% accuracy and getting you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax today. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, I want to finish with this one because this is something that I think Packer fans talk about a lot. This is from Sean Stemper on Twitter. What if the Packers would have traded a third-round pick for Beast Mode? The thing about the 2011 team is they didn't lose to the Giants because they couldn't score. That 2011 team was an all-time great offense. Aaron Rodgers had an all-time great quarterback season. They didn't come up short because they couldn't run the ball. They came up short because that defense was not good enough. That defense hemorrhaged yards. They gave up points at inopportune moments, and they couldn't stop the Giants. Now, running the ball would have made them even more deadly. Marshawn Lynch maybe helps beyond 2011. You know, you, you say, okay, 2012, maybe he helps control the clock. 2013, maybe he becomes a factor. 2014, they don't draft Eddie Lacy, but they have beast mode for that 2014 run, and they go to the Super Bowl instead of the Seahawks. That's the, the part of it that I think is interesting. If, the, if Marshawn Lynch goes to the Packers, he doesn't go to the Seahawks. So how does that affect the Seahawks? And therefore, does that give the Packers a better chance of winning in the NFC? I think those are interesting questions. But in 2011, the Packers didn't lose because they couldn't run the ball. And in 2012, frankly, they didn't lose because they couldn't run the ball. They, they lost because the defense wasn't quite good enough. And they weren't good enough in big spots. And that is, unfortunately, the reality for the Packers for a lot of years. It's not the reality for the Packers anymore. And that's something that you know we talked about yesterday, and I think that we, we don't talk about enough whether it's on this show or anywhere, that the Packers' defense right now is Super Bowl caliber. And if the offense, the quarterback, if they all play together in harmony, that this is a potential Super Bowl team this year. And and not getting a receiver does not affect that. We're going to be back next week. A lot more to learn about what's going on in the NFL. The, the league wants teams to be able to reopen their facilities as soon as next week. It sounds like there is the chance that there could be some sort of mini camp in June. Training camps would start on time and the season is still slated to start on time according to recent reports. So a lot to try and figure out there. And it sounds like, you know, they're trying to make this work as best they can. The Packers are back to basics according to Matt LaFleur. So We'll be able to talk about more as we get more information moving forward. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. 
Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.